Osiris. Hey, this is Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters, and this podcast is part of the Osiris podcast family. Osiris is a growing community of music and culture podcasts connecting music fans with conversation, commentary, and music. Osiris works in partnership with Relics. Check them out for all kinds of new music, news, and information. Osiris. Welcome in to episode 62 of The Bluest Tape. I'm Harvey Couch, alongside... Jeff Colas. And thanks for joining us as we take our weekly journey through the live catalog of Widespread Panic. Uh, Jeff, good to talk to you. Good week? Uh, you know, it's uh, today was interesting. I spent the day in Greenwood, Mississippi, of all places, and for work, and... Uh, Came back and went over to the Memphis Botanic Garden, which is right by our house, for a food truck fiesta and Ooh. a superhero-themed food truck fiesta. And no, and who all who was there? But uh, Memphis, uh, not just Memphis sports legend, but Memphis icon Jerry the King Lawler. With, oh my gosh! With, that sounds like <laughs> with his Batmobile. It gets better with his, with his Batmobile. His Batmobile. Wow. So um, I, I spoke to Mr. The King briefly. My son got his pic- <laughs> got his picture made with Mr. The King. Um, again, being in Memphis three years, this basically last week, uh, there's a variety of things that you can fall under the category of because Memphis. Tonight uh-huh. was a, a textbook example of because Memphis. Because, of course, Jerry the King Lawler is at a food truck fiesta at the Memphis Botanic Gardens with his Batmobile. So, man, most weeks I ask you that question. It's just sort of like, eh, no, not really, not much going on. It's like that was by far <laughs> the best answer I've ever gotten on a how are things going down there. Timely, very timely. How about you? You've seen some shows lately, Harvey. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, doing good. Um, we had a big week uh, last week. We saw uh, two uh, what the kids call concerts. Uh, at uh, at a at uh, Riverbend Music Center, which is a big shed in Cincinnati, and um, we saw on Monday night we saw Dead and Company, and then on Thursday night we saw the Dave Matthews Band. So um, big big event for a couple of oldies uh, with kids to go out twice on a weeknight to an hour and a half away to uh, concerts, but. Um, it was fun. I enjoyed both. They were uh, both uh, worth the effort, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, we're good. Was there were there any uh, any signs or anybody protesting uh, Boyd Tinsley not being in the band, or protesting oh, wow. Boyd Tinsley ever being in the band? Or... <laughs> no, no, I didn't see anything of that nature. Um, I mean, I will say from so from my personal point of view, um, I had. The, the show that I saw uh, last Thursday was the first day Matthews band concert that I had seen in 22 years. Uh, the last I had seen them was at the same venue in Cincinnati in June of 1996. Uh, I think that was maybe like the fifth or sixth time that I had seen them, maybe seventh. I'm not sure. I was a pretty big day Matthews band fan. Um, 
And at some point, and I, I would assume that it was in the summer. So here, I was talking to a buddy of mine about this because I was trying to figure out, I was like, what makes somebody be a really big fan of a band? And, you know, you see them whenever they're around. And then for whatever reason, you stop and it's 22 years until you see them again. Um, and, you know, they have made good music since 1996. It's not like they've just gone down, you know, down the drain. Um what would make somebody do that? And so as I was talking to my friend about it, cause he was actually at that show with me in Cincinnati in the summer of 96, he reminded me that we went to a show two days later at the zoo in Cincinnati, a band called widespread panic. And he's like, you know, my guess is that we went to that show at the at river bend with a bunch of, um, you know, college girls screaming about satellite and then we went to the zoo and saw panic melt a bunch of faces it's like i think it made your decision for you right there is that that was the change of your you know path as far as live music going for the next um well i don't know 22 years but certainly the next like five years of like my prime concert attending uh period so um i would uh i would say there's a couple of reasons for that i think Going find you know finding another band I think is 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 one. I haven't seen Dave Matthews since uh, summer of ninety seven, so it'll be twenty one years, I guess. Hmm. Um, but I will say that I saw Dave Matthews at Summerfest in June of ninety seven, and had seen them several times before that, and basically went to that show with my girlfriend at the time. And then two weeks later, saw white, or at the end of Summerfest, saw widespread panic um, at Summerfest, the two-night run in, on July 4th and 5th, 1997. Mm. And without my girlfriend, and then she wasn't my girlfriend anymore, therefore, I did not see widespread panic anymore, or did not see Dave Matthews Band anymore after that. Right. So, well, it's, it's, we had a very similar experience. So I think I, I, it's more because... Um, I, I changed girls and the one and yeah. the girl liked widespread panic and the other one liked Dave Matthews. So I think that was sort of the, the thing. But, yeah. But. And, and I think probably it probably had a lot to do with, um, you know, the band was still pretty early. Dave Matthews was at that point, there wasn't quite as much variation and set lists. I mean, you would go and you would see the same songs pretty much every time, yeah. I mean, a few variety, um, you know, as a, as opposed to going to see panic and every time you see him, it's a completely different show. And so it just sort of took me down a different path. But, um, I will say I had a, a great time. I, th th so here's my, uh, here's my weekly recommendation. Um, if Dave Matthews is close, go see him. Uh, and if you haven't check out his new album, cause it's, I think it's really good. It's, it's a little bit different than, you know, if you're, if you're expecting to hear, um, under the table and dreaming or before these crowded streets, it's not like that at all. Um, and I think some like sort of traditional Dave Matthews fans maybe aren't quite as into it. And, um, you know, I think there are certain people who are never going to get into Dave Matthews for whatever reason, if it's the sound of his voice or just the, you know, the style of music. But, um, if you at all at certain points in your life, liked Dave Matthews, I would recommend at least given this, this album, a shot come tomorrow is what it's called. And, um, it is, a. Uh, it's good. I've been, I've been like, you know, I've been listening to it quite a bit recently. I would say you sent me an email, a text message about the Dave Matthews band website or the show website, DMB Almanac. Yes. Um, yes. 
as much as we love Everyday Companion, and we couldn't do this show. Love, love this companion And love Panic Stream. This is like, this is pretty awesome. It's hardcore. <laughs> it's yeah. Hardcore. I mean, it's like, I have so much, so much envy. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, if that was, if I could have, that would make our show, our show a lot easier if we had that, that tool to be able to, you know, go back through the years. And, um, I mean, I, I've talked to Ted about it. I know they've got some, some roadblocks. I think they, they would like to make everyday companion a little richer and they've just, you know, they haven't gotten the, you know, the, the, the manpower or the bandwidth to be able to pull that off. Whereas, you know, they obviously Dave Matthews has a much larger fan base to call skill and ability, you know, and time and money from than, uh, than panic does. But yeah, no DMB almanac is, is unbelievable. And, uh, that's definitely something that, you know, I've kind of dug into the last few weeks, just kind of checking out, see what I've missed over the last 22 years. You were talking about their variety of, of set list and, and so on. So just looking at the last show I saw of the 1997, they, of, of the set list I saw, they played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight songs, 29 times on a single tour. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> when you think about it. um you know panic i don't think has ever done that period so anyway um well my recommendation for this week is actually a looking forward to and not something i've consumed the uh depending on when you get this the uh, 2018 world cup will have started Ooh. And, uh, even though america's not in it because we couldn't beat trinidad and tobago um on a cow pasture and, I take solace in the fact that Italy is not in the tournament. I take solace in the fact that the Netherlands aren't in the tournament. Oh. And Chile is not in the tournament. What do you have against the Dutch, um, man? What are they? What are they I love the Dutch, okay. but I'm just saying that they don't that they're not in it. Okay. So you know we shouldn't feel so bad. Okay. But it is embarrassing, admittedly. <laughs> um, but looking forward to it. I wish it weren't in Russia for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it should be a great tournament. I hope it's not Brazil and Germany in the finals again, just because it's sort of like watching Duke and Kentucky in the NCAA basketball tournament finals. Um, it's kind of over it, but I think there'll be some good, some good matches. Hope to see some upsets. I'll be cheering for Iceland again, because they were super fun last time. Um, I'll get my, my upset pick. I'm going to go with uh, Uruguay just because I love saying Uruguay and I think they've got a good shot. They have a great player, but it's pretty hard to pick against. Um, I'm going to go Spain. Okay. Well, I didn't know that we were making World Cup picks, but yeah, Luis Suarez is the guy for Uruguay who's who's pretty fantastic. But um, yeah, I'm, I think I'm uh, I'm going to be on the England bandwagon this year. Just you know, oh yeah, I'll go, I'll go for England. You know, I've, I've sure. just, you know, some of my uh, got some blood from there, and uh, having followed uh, the Premier League over the last six or seven years, that you know they've got a lot of the players that I'm familiar with, so. Um, so yeah, and I'm also super excited about the uh, World Cup 2026. Six. Yeah, that got announced uh, just recently that it'll be in North America. If we haven't uh, built a wall between us and Mexico and Canada by then, um, it's going to be shared between U.S., Canada, and Mexico. And uh, they were. We might all be one. So we might all be one country. Who knows? We may not even exist anymore by then. But. Um, I guess they still have a few more. They announced like the potential uh, 
locations, uh, you know, venues, uh, but they still, I think, have one more cut to do. Um, but Cincinnati is in the list and so is Nashville. So I'm hoping at least one of those will still be on the, um, if not both, when it comes time for the games, because uh, that'll be fun. I mean, looking ahead, uh, my boys will be 13 and 10. So that'll be cool. You know what I mean? Like, assuming we're all around then. And how old will you be, Harvey? Uh, older than that. <laughs> it might start with a five. It, no, no, because I will. It will be. I'll be. Yes, I'll be forty nine at that point. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's my recommendation is uh, is come tomorrow by the Dave Matthews Band and Jeff's recommendation is World Cup this week. Or did you have yeah. something else? No. Nope. Okay. Awesome. Well, um, this week we are going back in time. Uh, what is it? 17 years to the summer of 2001. Um, we've been in, I feel like we've done a ton of like 98 recently and, uh, on the, I guess the 20th anniversary. And so, um, we're going to jump ahead a little bit in time to the summer of 2001, uh, which has some really good stuff, but is definitely markedly different than 1998. Um, so it's kind of cool to, to explore that, but, um, we're going to do, uh, time, you know, similar time period to where we are today, which is mid June. And, um, they, they started the tour on, um, I don't know. I mean, do the Vegas shows count? Is that, I guess is that part of summer, um, opening for Dave Matthews. Yeah. I mean, this is like, it's uh, full circle there. Um, no, those don't. Count. Okay. So they play two shows at Sam Boyd stadium in late May uh, of 2001 and then uh, take a couple weeks off and then they're out in San Diego and that's where they kick off the summer tour, June 13th, 2001. So um, our picks this week are from that show. They do three nights at the Wiltern in Los Angeles right after that and then two nights at Paolo Soleri in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And so we pick something from them as well. So um, do you want to you want to lead folks into our first selection this week? Yeah, I mean, I think this um, this is an interesting tour because I think it starts off really strong and it ends really strong, but the middle is kind of, eh. mm-hmm. um, but there's some good stuff. The obviously the Harmony Park show on July fourth is pretty epic. Um, we'll be playing something from the Deer Creek show next week on July eighth. Um, but the and we've and of course the lit, amazing Oak Mountain run from late July right. of, of 2000. So, but we're going to get things started with the first show of the tour um, from San Diego. Um, their friend Carl Denson sits in uh, a couple of tracks on this and we're going to jump in just before uh, Mr. Denson uh, sits in. He's on drums and we bring narrow mind, but we're going to start off a couple songs into the second set with Coconut from July 13th, 2001. <laughs> Thank you. 
June 13th, 2001, right at the start of the second set, uh, Coconut into Stop Breaking Down into Vacation. Um, pretty good selection uh, this week, Harvey. You picked these. Um, Coconut's always a welcome a welcome show. And, you know, it was always the song that would show up at Halloween, but it also is a show, song that shows up in, like, tour openers, I think, fairly often. Not fairly hmm. often, but somewhat frequently. You know, 621.97 and... Uh, Kansas City, that summer tour, Coconut shows up there. Um, so yeah, you know, it's just one of those songs that it became more than just Halloween. It's a, just a regular old special occasion song. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I feel like, you know, whenever you see a coconut, it means there's, you know, it's a, a little something special is happening that night. Um, but this is a pretty good show for, for a start, you know, for a first show of the tour, um, especially, you know, like we, you were saying, Summer 97 is not maybe the, or Summer 01 is maybe not the, the greatest tour ever. But um, the the stuff with Carl Denton is really good. I was kind of, I was kind of thinking maybe we hold that back. I don't know if we're going to do like a, maybe a Carl Denton episode or not, but um, I don't want to waste that on this, but this coconut um, stop breaking down vacation is really good. And just love, um, I wish we got more like JB slide on acoustic. It is so much, so much fun. You got to You get it occasionally on like rocks early or uh obviously like sit and ski rocks um but it's just i don't know it kind of gets me moving i think it's fun um but uh yeah so um and also sort of notable about this show a couple things one um you know papa's home second set opener is really nice and also that they don't play um hatfield in san diego um, it's kind of stuck, you know, I was assuming like when I first pulled this show up, I was like, Oh, let's see where the Hatfield is. Cause I think they've opened maybe San Diego shows with Hatfield before. Or, um, but then I've realized that right after this, they went to LA and that is where they played Hatfield. Cause he also made a rain for LA apparently. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, um, the, uh, so that was the other thing that, that I noticed about the show. But before we get to the to the Wiltern shows, I wanted to just do a little bit of follow up from um, from last week's episode, which is our uh, random openers uh, episode. And um, I threw out a question um, on Facebook this week about asking folks to to make their uh, you know what their favorite opener was, and, and and probably not you know not a random one, but a, a regular one, um, and. Yeah, got some good. My I I chimed in, but that my personal favorite is disco. That I would be happy to see disco open every single show that I that I go to. Um, I got uh, said so Danny Johnson said Flatfoot Floozy, which is a good one. Um, I mentioned obviously that one from uh, Tallahassee in '93. I think is awesome. Uh, Stephen Trice said Postcard. I would say yes. <laughs> Anytime that is welcome. He, he mentioned uh, New Orleans 97. Obviously that, uh, that, that's set, set the stage for that run and really their whole career in New Orleans. Um, Josh Ballard says chili water. Hard to argue with that. So, uh, and also uh, uh, Frank Trice uh, proven. So, I'm on board with all those. Those are good, good choices. I'm on board openers. with all those. Yeah. So yeah. If, if somebody would have said old Joe, that would be weird. <laughs> um, so you're saying sometimes not your choice. Sometimes I love sometimes. Okay. What, what would, what would be your, uh, what would be your favorite, you um, know, somewhat regular opener? I like traveling light a lot. Hmm. Uh, I like pilgrims. Um, and that's just like, I mean, that's, yeah. Like, Pilgrims is fantastic. For sure. Sublime. Yeah. And just, I, I don't know. We talked about the Sweet Leaf random opener last week and sort of like how it's just like the punch in the face. And sometimes that's that's good. That's like chili openers are great. Um, but yeah, I think, I'm trying to think, 
please openers are always good. Never argued with the please opener. Never yeah. argued with the pigeons opener. Um, you know, most of them are pretty good. It's just that sometimes it's just it depends on the mood. But I think all the ones that our, our fans have uh, submitted are, are strong. Uh, we'll not argue with any of those for sure. All right. So, um, so they play uh, San Diego on June thirteenth. They take a day off, and then three nights at the Wiltern Theater in Los Angeles, uh, June fifteenth, sixteenth, and seventeenth of two thousand one. Have you been to the Wiltern before? I've not, not been to LA before. Oh wow! Okay, you you don't really seem like an LA kind of guy. Um, <laughs> there are. Uh, there's some pretty good videos circulating of these shows, these three nights um, that are available on the YouTubes. Um, so, you know, check those out if you're, if you haven't seen them before. Uh, first night will turn opener disco. So that's right, right up my alley. Um, but we skipped the first night in spite of the, uh, the carrot top uh, drums appearance. Um, but we go to the second night. We've already given Carrot Top a lot of love on this show. So. He has, and I, and I, I've been like, I've been waiting because I, I'm not, you know, I think we should reach out to his publicist because I, you know, get him on the pod <laughs> and uh, and have him talk about, you know, all of his experiences. Um, I mean, I, as far as a guy who has, like, you know, I mean, I'm sure he's got some stories to tell. He's, you know, as far as guest appearances, or who? I mean, I guess the dozen probably has the most. Um. I mean, who else has more than Carrot Top? I know. We'll have to look this up during the break. I mean, I doubt that there's... I mean, he probably has more than Blackman does. May, I mean, that may be close. Uh, I guess you'd have to take away, like, Randall Bramlett and um, and George McConnell, obviously, if they, you count those as guest appearances. But anyway, um, we moved on to the second... So we move on to the second night. Uh, we'll play a section from the second night and the third night from the Wiltern. Um the first part will be the opener from the second night. And then uh, after that, we go to the post drums of the third night uh, with a special guest, um, Lonnie Jordan from war. So that was pretty sweet. And, um, but we'll kick things off here first from the opener of the second night at the Wiltern, June 16th, 2001, uh, a little bit chilly water. Oh, my God. 
Do, do, do. 
Alright, widespread panic at the Wiltern Theater in Los Angeles, California, July 16th and July 17th, or sorry, June 16th and June 17th, 2001. Uh, from the 16th, the opener, uh, Chili Water. And then from the 17th, uh, the closer, uh, with Lonnie Jordan from War, uh, Astronomy Divine Jam, and then Four Cornered Room, Low Rider, and Red Hot Mama. And these are some fine picks, Harvey. Uh, the Chili opener with JV starting out solo is pretty badass. Uh, and it's sort it is. Of, have you have you ever heard anything like that? No, I mean, no, I haven't. And it's really cool to listen to because it's sort of, you I mean, where the band comes in is sort of a natural place to come in, but there's just sort of this anticipation when the band's going to like come in and start mm-hmm. going, but it's yeah. really cool. I mean, it's pretty, it's a nasty, it's a nasty thing. It's really yeah. good. No, I and, think I like it. I like it better than the traditional. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. So, you know, and, and in spite of what we were saying last, last segment where, you know, one of our listeners had chimed in the chili opener and, and chili openers are great, but I sort of feel like in some ways, um, you know, as as exciting as it is to start a show with chili water, it's like it almost plays better when you like kind of like slam into it from something else. You know what I mean? Like just like hit it. Like it, it's it seems like they have a harder time like spinning it up quickly. You know what I mean? When it's an opener, um, as opposed to like coming out of something where you hit the drums and you know the bassline and the guitars all at once. Um, where it seems like usually when it's an opener, it's just like the baseline kind of starts it off and then the band comes in. Uh, but I, I really like this JB part. Um, you know, it's just, it's just different. And I, I like it. It's cool how it, because then when the band comes in, it has that sort of same like momentum that you're used to getting when you get, you know, when they co- go into it from another song. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And then the stuff from the 17th of Lonnie Jordan from war, I mean, talk about, heavy panic, dark panic, ominous panic, whatever you want to call it. That's that they've, that little segment's got that in spades. It's three of my four co- favorite covers that they do. Astronomy divine four cornered room and red hot mama. And it's just, it's, it's great stuff. So this is a really, the first show is okay. It's not terrible, but these, um, the 17th is just fantastic. So, um, what do you think about, I mean, um, I mean, do you consider War as like a dark and dirty band? I mean, it just seems it's interesting that like the sort of like panics and either it's the songs that they choose or just their interpretation of War's songs are just sort of nastier and dirtier than than the originals themselves. It's funny because if you hear Four Cornered Room and you think that's what war sounds like and you go try to find a bunch of other war songs that sound like that, you're not going to find them. Uh, right. The world is a ghetto is a great record with that. And then the title track and, and stuff. I mean, that's the only war record I have. Um, the stuff with Eric Burden is great. I mean, spill the wine, obviously. And then, um, uh, magic mountain, magic mountain. Yeah. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Sorry, I had to sing. I had to run it through in my head. Um, but that's a those are those are great records, and so War, War is a great band. And I think it's fun that again we've talked about before. Panic's influences are so diverse, uh, more diverse than most other jam bands because they they take in so much so much from you know frankly black music and bands of color. <laughs> um, 
than a lot of the other ones do. So I think it's they're, they're good picks, and the and the players can do it because schools can play a nasty baseline, and and Hauser's guitar ad, adapts well to all that stuff. And you know, I mean, JB can do darkness. He seems like a mm-hmm. happy guy overall, but JB can do darkness. I mean, like four hundred yeah. room is about as dark as it can get. So that um the first time I ever heard Panic do four cornered room was was halloween 97 and that was like literally the spookiest thing i've ever i was like oh my god that is unbelievable it was just ugh, so awesome um okay cool so that is the second and third nights of the will turn um and then after that they take a day off and then they head um southeast to uh to new mexico to um to the cool you know one of the coolest venues around Paolo Solari, which we do we cover was it last it's week or the week six, it was last week, yeah. The uh, six, the Papa C. Brown uh, show opener from ninety six. And um it seemed like pretty much every show they played in that place was had some pretty unique you know, unique aspects to it. It's just uh I think part of being in a place like that is hard to hard not to. Um do you know why the date June nineteenth, two thousand one, is significant? Um, I don't. It is the day that widespread panic released "Don't Tell the Band." Oh wow! Hey, we should be doing like a uh, retrospective episode on "Don't Tell the Band." No, you got to wait on that. We'll wait on that one. <laughs> we'll keep um, that in the. <laughs> so it's been interesting to play these these shows because summer 2001 was an interesting time for me because I was living in your fine state of Kentucky that Mm -hmm. that summer, Um, living in Cox's Creek, literally within spitting distance of the Jim Beam distillery um, with four other complete strangers, three of whom, four of whom, sorry, five others, five strangers, four of whom, uh, worked at the Bernheim Forest Preserve, and I was doing some research for Bernheim. And I had a research partner, another grad student from IUPUI. And so we spent most of our summer driving around your part of the world, back and forth between doing research at the Filson Club in Louisville and at the University of Louisville and back over to Frankfurt and doing research at Kentucky Historical Society and doing research at the state and then stuff in and around where we were in Cox's Creek. And so I distinctly remember being in Louisville on this day and then driving back and making my research partner drive me around the south side of Louisville looking for a Walmart or a Best Buy to go buy this album on CD, Hmm. Um, which was kind of hilarious because I didn't have access to a CD player either in my car. I don't think her even her car had one, Um, but, you know, wanted to support the band, went out and got it. Um, but, if, I mean, I had heard most of it before because I had the, the demos thing that had been out. But right. overall, like, what is, you know, 17 years hence, Harvey, what are your thoughts on uh, Don't Tell the Band? Where does it slot in for you? So I guess we are having a Don't Tell the Band retrospective. No, we can <laughs> keep it short because we have a really good last selection to play and I don't and I want to get to it. But, you know, give me, give me, yeah. give me 90 um, seconds. Okay. I mean, I guess as far as, you know, band, uh, albums released, you know, by the original band, um, this would slot last. Because it is uh, the last one, too. 
Yeah, but as far as like if I was ranking them, it'd probably be my least favorite. Although I, I will say that um, the versions of the songs that are on the album are are enjoyable. You know, I, I think if if I was going to listen to a um, a playlist of the songs from Don't Tell the Band. Uh, I would almost prefer the, the album versions to live versions in some ways because they um, they are good versions of those songs. It's just not my favorite uh, group of songs. I mean, I don't dislike them, but just compared to the other albums, um, I think that you know they're all perfectly well played studio versions. It's I like how the album sounds and how it's produced, and um, I assume that's a John Keane joint, right? Yeah, still. Um, but uh yeah it's good stuff it just yeah it's just not my favorite um i do we know do you remember what the single is from this record i know we've talked about uh that. i'm sure it's the worst song is it casa de grillo or <laughs> um let's see uh i don't know that they released this um I mean, I, probably be, if they followed their trend of you know unknown cover songs, it'd probably be sometimes. But yeah, um, I uh, I do I I have not listened to this record in forever. Um, I like a lot of the songs on here. There are some that I strongly don't like. I always thought doing a studio version of Big Willie Mammoth was an interesting pick. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I thought Tears of including Tears of a Woman was cool to give schools right. a little yeah. school some love. I always like down for some reason, but like not maybe during a show, but I like it on the record. Um, sometimes it's great. Um, this part of town is one of Mikey, one of my favorite Mikey songs, actually. Um, Imitation leather shoes rocks gives pretty good. Little Lily's okay. Lily's it's a good version of Lily. Version. You know what I mean? It's a nice clean. And... Um, but they're but it's hard to get over the three songs on this record that I just can't stand. And that's side side D of this record. Yeah. Casa del Grillo, Joe and don't tell the band. It's just, and then just like how it ends. The last, the last four songs are Casa del Grillo, old Joe action, man. Don't tell the band. Like who did, who decided on the tracking for that? Um, they just don't fit. But anyway, um, it was such a weird, time in my life actually and so just being in kentucky and doing the work that i was doing but and not having the access to set lists and such i remember like checking because it didn't have wireless (laughs) then and it didn't have a laptop so i was checking set lists in like public libraries that we were going to do research in and i remember you know like running you know wherever we stopped going to find a public computer and bringing up checking my email to look at the spread net digest for the day to uh i wrote digipanic probably to get the set list so and i remember doing it for this show from paulo soleri and being like oh i see i see what they've done here and i can't wait to hear this show because it is a pretty ridiculous set list and a damn fine show um another thing of note from uh from don't tell the band uh they included um was it a it was a it was an a EP, bonus EP, disc bonus yeah, like disc. a bonus disc from um classic center in 2000 uh they had already had they already, was this like a teaser for that release i guess it was huh 
Did that come out later? Yeah, it did. That oh, came it out came, too. Yeah, but it came with it. If you got the, if you bought it, bought the first pressing, which is funny to think of as a CD, but um, you got it with, you got it in the package with it. Right, but this was like our first taste of that. Uh, yes. That uh, classic city, you know, we hadn't heard any of that stuff. Yeah, because um, there were no taping wasn't allowed. So. Right, but it, I do I did find it interesting that they included the instrumental version of Action Man on the live you know EP that they included, but then the the one from the record had lyrics, um, and also the uh, Action Man and Give were on the uh, NASCAR 2001 soundtrack from EA Sports, which I owned. Somebody gave me that for my birthday, I think, in 2001. And um, not, you know, I mean, unreli- you know, they just gave it to me because they thought I would like to. And it was, it was good. I mean, it was an enjoyable game. Um, and it just happened to have songs by like Panic and Government Mule and Kenny Wayne Shepherd on the soundtrack, which is pretty awesome. So... Uh, so yeah. Anyway, di- digression complete. That's okay. I mean, that's Jeff's worlds colliding. NASCAR and widespread panic. Yeah. Um, so anyway, this show, June nineteenth, two thousand one, um, is a great show from start to finish. The next night's pretty good too. Um, actually, the next night's really good too. Um, but this first night, takeout opener in the, in the Wrangler and stop go away to the world. Um, and who do you belong to proving do what you like proving in the first set. I mean, that in and of itself, they could have stopped and they could have opened up the old Joe and I probably would have been okay with it. Um, but instead they come out with a really strong three song selection to open up the second set. And we're going to get started right here. Uh, Palo Solari, Santa Fe, New Mexico, June 19th, 2001.
June 19th, 2001, from Paolo Soleri in Santa Fe, New Mexico. First night of a two-night run. You heard the start of the second set. Don't be denied into Porch Song, into Bow-Legged Woman, which is a pretty good way to start a second set. Um, do you think the notes in the in the Everyday Companion, and you can also hear it, uh, or at least JB makes a mention of it, at the end of the first set, that, that they, you know the set ended a little short because of lightning and... Um, do you think that that changed the approach on the second set that they, you know, dialed it up a little bit or was that going to be the, was that originally the plan for the second set? You think? I don't know. I mean, it, I guess they probably cut the first set short by a song. Um, I don't think they would have run. Don't be denied out after proving, but you never know. Um, yeah, but maybe Bill legged woman was the first set closer. Maybe, maybe that would have been, or porch been- song. I mean, the other thing that 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 is sort uh, of yeah. rare, sort of rare, is that you don't have the takeout porch. You know, usually it's either right next to each other, or it's a little sandwich, or it's a set sandwich, or it's a show sandwich. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. But this one I is sort of uh, to- not knowing. I'll go with your. I'll go with your uh, theory there. I'll say it was supposed to be a porch closer. Um, but regardless, it, it, you know, it was a good way to start a second set. So glad that we can include it here. And, uh, really this whole show is really good. And, and the next night is good. I think these were, these were official releases too. I think they're port yes. songs, yep. um, not, not multi-track, but just the two channel soundboards and, um, it's good stuff. So, um, 
say what you will about summer 2001, but they definitely, uh, they were cooking here in the first week. Yeah. And we'll, um, I don't know. Well, well, like I said, we'll play something from that Deer Creek show in July, uh, next episode, and maybe we'll touch on some of this other stuff, but I think we've, we've, we, we've hit on the best parts of the, uh, of the summer 2001 so far in this show. So. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, um, Anything else you want to uh, share? Are we good? No, let's check it out. Okay. Well, appreciate everybody's uh, continued support. Um, definitely, you know, appreciate feedback on Twitter, or Facebook, or email, or snail mail, or however you'd like to, uh, to share your comments or suggestions. And, um, you know, just tell your friends about it. Rate it on uh, iTunes. That helps um, other people see it. And, um, I mentioned last week too if you uh if you want to help us uh keep the lights on around here you know we uh certainly appreciate any support you can provide monetarily uh not to turn into a an npr but you know just a dollar a week that'll you know that helps keep the lights on and so if you go to bluestape.com and there's a there's a row of icons and there's one with a with a dollar sign you click that and uh it takes you to uh stripe and you can um can help donate uh you know help us pay the bills around here and, and no amount is too small we'd appreciate anything you can help you can uh, provide so um that's enough of that but um appreciate uh appreciate you listening definitely go uh check out all the other uh, osiris podcasts um there's been some really good ones recently and um um definitely go check them out those guys went to uh Dell Fest uh, a few weeks ago in Cumberland, Maryland, um, and sounded like it was a great time. A couple of couple of the other guys and uh, that host podcast, and I, I sent RJ a text to, today, and I was like, "Man, I want to get on the uh, Dell Fest train next year." So um, it should be a pretty good time. But um, yeah, so Osiris Pod dot com, Tape dot com, and um, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Appreciate it. Osiris. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.
Y'all coming from my floor Corner room Yeah 